Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hold on. Okay, man. All right. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of 100 Yards Football Sports Talk Radio. I'm your host and producer, Logan Landers. And joining me, as always, to break down some college football, not just any college football. This is the final game of the college football season. The Washington Huskies battle the Michigan Wolverines for a shot for these teams to win the college football playoff national championship. Mr. Football, Vincent Turner here to break it down with me as always. How you doing, sir? Hey, how you doing, man? It's um, it's going to be a great game on Monday night. Mm. It's kind of weird to not see a team from the SEC in our part of the country that's going to be participating in the game. And you know what else to bring up a good point? Washington is going into the Big Ten next year. That's wow. It. Unbelievable, brother. That's it. And we could very well see, you know, this matchup next year as a Big Ten championship. Yes, uh, that's so what I'm saying. Yes, that's sir. It. So it, it, it might be a preview of uh, things to come for many seasons for these two programs. Before we get into it, break down the offense and defense for Washington and Michigan. Guys, if you enjoyed this video, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe on our social media platforms, that being on Facebook and YouTube, our main two. You can also check out our podcast available each and every single week on any of your major streaming platforms like Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, thanks to the fine folks over at the Believe Podcast Network for giving us that platform to put out our content. Well, Vincent, let's talk about these Washington Huskies, first team up on the docket. And look, they were, you know, I would say last week against Texas, there was a, this was pretty much a split decision. A lot of people who you talked to, they said, okay, Washington, they can get it done on offense. I don't know about the defense. And everyone was talking about Texas and Quinn Ewers and whatnot and their dominant, uh, you know, rushing game. You can go check out that video. We did see if we got it right. But they pulled out the win nonetheless, 37-31 to uh, beat the Longhorns. It wasn't without a little bit of tightness at the end there uh, on, on defense. We know Washington got that lead. And then Texas was clawing back, fighting for their life there in the fourth quarter. But a win is a win regardless. Washington, a lot of people don't talk about this. They remained undefeated this year, still have not lost a game and are riding an incredible high right now. Of course, when you look at Washington, the main guy your eyes are immediately going to go to, that's Michael Penix Jr., a guy who uh, obviously was a Heisman candidate this year, did not get the award. But man, oh man, Vincent, I think he's been kind of on a revenge tour ever since then because he has been balling. This game against Texas, 29-38 passing, very efficient, 430 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs. And also another thing, too, he was not sacked a single time in that ball game. Offensive line is doing great work there for Washington. That is something that people don't talk about enough. That's how dominant that Washington Huskies O-line is. As good as Michael Penix is, and we know he's a great talent, he's going to do some good things in the NFL, I'm sure. His offensive line is what keeps him upright, what keeps him not on the on the sidelines and injured like we saw at Indiana. And we can see what he can do as long as he has a really solid O-line behind him. And once again, just showing love to the Washington big guys up front. Rest of that team, though, Dylan Johnson had two touchdowns in the game against Texas in the Sugar Bowl. He had a good game. Overall, the receiving core, we all know who to look at, and they showed up, Vincent. Those top two guys being, of course, Rome Odunze, who a lot of people are saying might be up there with one of the best receivers in football, right up there with Marvin Harrison Jr. Six grabs, 125. And Jalen Polk, a guy who 
I mean, if he was on any other team, I think he would be a clear-cut number one. But just with how good Odunze is, he is still a – I would call them 1A and 1B. I don't, even want to, I don't even feel confident calling him a number two receiver. That's just how good Jalen Polk is. He had five grabs for 122 as well as a big touchdown. I, I think that overall we've talked about Washington here in the last few weeks and how good they've been. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're great ratios. Penix, 35 touchdowns on the year, only nine INTs. They've been sacked 10 times this season. I mean, I think for Washington, as long as you can keep Penix upright, as long as you can continue, um, you know, to keep things going with the running game, whenever you kind of sprinkle that in there, and as long as you get the two guys out there on the receiving court, Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, I mean, you're set up for some good times. And I think Washington, as long as they can stick to that formula they've been with all season, obviously it's worked, Vincent. They haven't lost a game. I think they're looking good going into Monday night. Give us your thoughts on the Huskies' defense and how they did against Texas. I think when you look overall, um, obviously when you play the Huskies, you're going to have to score points. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas is a whole different type of offense than Michigan. Um, the key to Michigan, I think, is slowing them down before I get into the Huskies offense is a quarterback, J.J. McCartney. I thought he was the difference in the game last Monday against Alabama. What I mean by that is that he made plays in the passing game that really, I think, really put Michigan over the top. And then the offensive calling from Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, really in times during that football game had Alabama confused, but it's because J.J. McCartney was able to make plays with his arm. Getting back to the Washington's defense, their defense is going to give up yards. We know Quinn Ewan's, they were going to move the football. But the thing about Washington, they're kind of like a bend or don't break type defense. But what got me, I thought they played well enough where the game shouldn't even been closed down a stretch with Texas. But I like to know, I don't know their defensive coordinator. I'm sorry, um, but I'm going to get his name after we get off the air today. I should have had it. But I want to ask you this, Mr. Landers. Okay. Why are you playing aggressive defense at the end of the game? Well, you should have been in a prevent defense and keeping everything in front of you. The game wouldn't even have been like it would down the stretch. That's a good point. But, but I'm going to say this about the Huskies. They got some good defensive players, big-time players step up in big-time games. Dominique Hampton has got to be huge coming out of the secondary. Carson Bruno has got to be huge against that michigan Vaughn running game because we know what Michigan going to do. They're going to want to run the ball control the clock, and keep Mr. Michael Penix in that explosive video game offense off the field. But the one key person that really played well against Texas, who was a difference in the game, was Braylon Trice, the NFL draft prospect, top 10 on a lot of draft boards. I believe he was the most MVP defensively in that game. He had five tackles, he had two sacks, he had three tackles for loss, and he was bringing it every play. He's got to be real huge on Monday night if Washington is going to kind of slow down Michigan. Other than that, Jabbar Muhammad has got to play real well in the secondary, and I'm looking at his matchup going against Roman Wilson, who made some big plays against Alabama in the Rose Bowl last Monday. But Washington is not going to change nothing. The bottom line can you control J.J. McCartney and keep him from making plays in the passing game? Yes, sir. Well said. Well, you brought him up. Let's talk about that Michigan Wolverine team who got the narrow 27-20 victory over Alabama, that being in overtime, of course. 
And, uh, you know, coming into that game, I, I, I talked up Blake Corum and, and how well he's done this season. But you mentioned it, Vincent. It was J.J. McCarthy who was the highlight reel for Michigan and who really was the driving force behind that win. Uh, he, he had a really solid game, I thought. 221 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs, and, and was pretty much, you know, did a really good job, I feel. Um, only got sacked once, so the O-line did a solid job. He was really that game changer that they needed. Um, granted, was it a perfect game for Michigan? No, they didn't have their struggles. But in the end, they got the win, and they remained undefeated, and it's the number one team in the nation. Uh, I, I talked about Blake Corum. We know that on the on the game, 19 carries, 83 yards. But Vincent, he has that clutch gene. It, you can see it in him. You can watch it on game film. He was the guy who got that game-winning score in overtime, how he had to bounce off multiple defenders, that he had that drive. Uh, to get in the end zone. No one was, once I saw him get the ball, I knew no one was going to stop him just with how fast his legs are moving, that power he's got. He's a tremendous, tremendous rushing guy, uh, a tremendous halfback, and I think he's going to do great things in this upcoming game as well as in the National Football League. But the thing with Michigan is they can really space it out. They can get you going and just make you wonder what they're going to do because McCarthy's got a, a really solid passer. The rushing game I just mentioned, Blake Corum can get it done. McCarthy's not afraid to move the legs if need be. And that receiving core is also tremendous. Roman Wilson had a big game, four grabs for 73 and a touchdown. Tyler Morris had only two catches, but they were made. They were uh, really solid. 45 yards from the, the uh, game for him, one touchdown. Uh, and then they've got a solid, you know, they got Colston Loveland, who didn't do a whole lot against uh, Alabama, but could be a guy to watch out for him. Same with Cornelius Johnson. But I thought that overall, Michigan, they knew they were going up against a tough team in Alabama. That defense is stout there. That's what helped Alabama, you know, really come on strong. And I would say, you know, uh, that the early struggle, you know, that loss against Texas, and once they kind of reeled it in, their defense has been top-notch all year. And they fought. It was a close game. We knew it was going to be a close game. And in the end, that Michigan offense got the win. And uh, I, I can't say enough good things about that duo, Vincent, of Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy. They did a tremendous showing, and I think they're going to have a good night coming up on Monday. But talk about that Wolverines defense and how they were able to kind of stuff Alabama closer towards the end and uh, what they can do to secure a championship potentially this upcoming Monday night. I tell you, I was very impressed with um, the Michigan defense. I didn't think they have a lot. They had a lot of speed that can really play well in space. Um, they frustrated Jalen Merrow, um, and really they did what they had to do. They had five sacks in the first half, completely dominated on the defensive line. I mean, hey, man, um, Mason Graham played very well. Chris Jenkins played very well. Derek Moore played very well. All of them had sacks from that D-line, along with Brandon McGregor. I thought they linebackers, um, Junior Colston, 10 tackles in the game. Michael Barrett had nine tackles. And they secondary played at a high level. Will Johnson, Rob Moore, McCary Page, Josh Wallace. You didn't see no Alabama receivers running freely in the secondary. Well, when you look at that, you say, hey, this is a very fine Michigan defense. They're number one in the country. But can I say something, Mr. Landis, babyface Nelson? Go ahead. Let me tell you this real shortly. And real loudly hit it down 100 yards football. See, I heard a gentleman on ESPN, and I hate to give other people respect on that show. I'm not going to give him respect. But he picked Michigan in a blowout over Washington. And you know I'm talking about this, and this is a PL for me and him are from the same hometown. Stop doing things 
for uh, clickbait and trying to make ESPN money. As I'm agree with the great Shannon Sharp, and I don't really, really follow him, and I'm not on his jock strap. He put it very simply. Okay, I'm gonna take you back, Mr. Landers. All right, go, go ahead. to the pro, pro game. The Super Bowl back in 1984 when Washington played Tampa played on the Oakland Raiders. Your Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Remember coming into that game, Joe Theismann, the quarterback for Washington, had over 37 yards that year, 29 touchdowns, and they had that hell of a receiving core. Art Monk, who had 746 yards that year, Charlie Brown, they had over 1,225 yards. The key to that game was Van McElroy, Mike Davis, Lester Hayes, and Mike Haynes shut them down. And what happened in that football game? Oakland ended up winning that game 38-9. Secondary played outstanding. Then the next year, remember when Miami played the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl and Dan Marino had set a record that year through for 5,000 yards in the regular season, 48 touchdowns, and he had the Marks brothers, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. Both of them went over damn near 1,300 yards. But what happened in that game? The 49ers secondary came up big, Ronnie Lott, Eric Wright, Carlton Williamson, and Dwight Hicks. Now I'm going to get back to what I'm saying, Mr. Landers. I'm going to say this very loudly. If you think Jalen Merrow is Michael Penix Jr., (laughs) you're you're very sorry because Michael Penix Jr., as you said, babyface Nelson Landers, he's on a mission. He's upset because he didn't win the Heisman. And to be honest, he should have won the Heisman. He came into the Texas game. Mr. Landis, what was his stats in the Texas game? Oh, he was tremendous. Vance, I believe it's what, 430 yards on the day for him, two or three touchdowns, no INTs. He was lights out. Okay, thank you. And then the Huskies, Kalen DeBoer, the head coach, and Ryan Grove, the offensive coordinator. Washington tells you with that prolific passing game, video, Michael Penix, one more, one more, two with the right hand, that they're going to come at you deeply. Roma Doozy, who now I'm saying might be the best receiver going into the draft because look what he's done the last two games for Oregon. Lit up Oregon. And he lit up Texas. Then you mentioned Jalen Polk, another NFL receiver. And I'm going to tell you this, babyface Landers. You know what hometown he's from? And he grew up on the same street of a guy who's been doing great work for us, voiceover works, an introduction guy. You know his name, don't you, Mr. Landers? Where is he from, Vince? Tell me where he's from. He's from Mr. Mark Bass' hometown mm-hmm. right in Texas. And Mr. Bass been very excited. He said, give my boy some love. And then the other gentleman that came back, Jalen McMillan. So I'm going to go with Shannon Shaw. Very simple. If you don't get to Michael Penix Jr. on Monday night, Michigan, and your secondary, a Mr. Will Johnson, who a lot of people say is an NFL talent, Mr. Mike Stansteel, who everybody's saying is NFL safety, to Mr. Rob Moore, the Mr. McCary Page and Mr. Josh Wallace. 
you better be staying up all night because you got three thoroughbreds that's going to be coming off that line of scrimmage and they're going to be getting open. You better have your back paddle and cover skills down because the Huskies out of the Northwest is coming with that air game. And I'm going to say it again, Mr. Landis, is Jalen Marrow, is he Michael Penix Jr.? He is not. not Thank you. All. It's going to be a hell of a football game. Just like Mr. Shannon Sharp says, he put it blankly on Tuesday morning on ESPN. And I don't like to give nobody else flowers, but the game is very simple. Michigan, you better get to Michael Penix Jr. And if you do bring blitzes, think about this. Michael Penix Jr. know how to get the ball out. And that's one key player in this football game, if it's going to change the complex of the game, is Dylan Johnson, the running back from Washington. If he's anywhere healthy and is able to run the ball, Michigan better be ready to put up some points. And I say this about Dylan Johnson. I'm going to leave it at this. Young man was at Mississippi State last year. He's from Greenville, Mississippi. Everybody know how much love I got for the state of Mississippi because my parents, Inez and Chester Turner, who still live in 86 and 84 years old, they're from Mississippi. There's something in the water in Mississippi. And what Mr. Johnson, he's from Greenville, Mississippi. Jimmy Giles, Antonio Johnson, Frank White, great baseball player with the Kansas City Royals, Mary Wilson, former singer of the Supremes, Detroit in the house, Michigan, Motown. Quentin Groves, formerly of Auburn, War Eagle, Jacksonville, and the great comedian Tommy Davis. It's something in the water. The University of Michigan, your defense better hope that Dylan Johnson don't get to play on Monday night either. Back to you, Mr. Landis. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. And Vincent, it is time for our final prediction, who we think will be the kings of college football. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, you look at it, and it's got everything you need for a tremendous college football game, a great offense, tremendous defense. And I think too, mo both these teams, Vincent, they are undefeated. No one wants to take that final loss of the year in the last game of the season. And this is going to be a tough game, man. It it's offense and defense. It's the it's battles of the trenches. It's can the Washington, is can Washington do line hold up against that? You mentioned that tremendous defensive line of Michigan. And whose quarterback is going to be the best? Whose running backs are going to get it done? Uh, and it's a tough one, man. It, this is a very, very tough game. It's a close game. It's one of the better college football playoff matches we've seen in recent memory. Uh, but after thinking it over, Vincent, I, I got a final score. It's a close one. I want this one to be a good game. I want this one to maybe be an overtime game. But I will go with the Michigan Wolverines completing their story in, in terms of the hype that Harbaugh had when he got signed, how they failed early on, they couldn't get it done. And I just think they're kind of riding that momentum uh, of, you know, the stuff they've had off the field and they've kind of been using that to, as motivation. And who knows if Jim Harbaugh is coming back or not also. He could be going off on a high note. There are rumors of him potentially going to the NFL after this. That remains to be seen. But I will go with the uh, Michigan Wolverines getting the close win in this one, Vincent. Final score for me, 30-27 in favor of Michigan. Your final score for the college football playoff national championship. 
I'm going to say it real shortly and real sweet. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be one of the best college football playoff games maybe of this year, maybe of all time. I'm taking the Huskies in a close one. They've won a lot of close football games. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be 37-34. I just think that offense is something that is very, very watchable. It's a video game. You think about the run and shoot. You think about Andre Ware. You think about David Klingon with the Houston Cougars. And you think about the history of Washington football. You think about when Warren Moon, you might was not born at the time when he was at Washington. It was in 1977 when I first saw him in the 78 Rose Bowl and how he was throwing that thing for the Huskies. I love Michael Penix Jr. He proved to y'all that we made a serious mistake not giving him the Heisman. I like what you said about Michigan story. It's been them against the world. Jim Harbaugh, um, the situation, uh, J.J. McCartney coming out this week. And he did say one thing that's very true. Everybody cheats. I agree with him on that. Everybody still signs. And it's been a very focused Michigan team because coming into this season, him and Black Corn on a podcast that I saw on Tyler LeWan, who was a great tackle in Michigan, played with the Tennessee Titans. They said, hey, it's nothing but one goal here. It's win the national championship at the University of Michigan this year, and it'll be a bust. But make no mistake, <laughs> they're playing against a different animal this year. This is a team with Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies that can throw that football. And they're going to go very aggressive with their offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, and their head coach, Kalen DeBoer. They're not going to sit back. They're going to come out, and they're going to really take it to the Michigan's defense. And if Michigan doesn't get to Michael Penix Jr., he's going to throw for 500 yards. And Dylan Johnson, the young man from Greenville, Mississippi, is going to have a field day. Yes, sir. It is going to be a tremendous college football playoff national championship. The last one in the current four-team format before it expands next season. And like I said, this is potentially going to be a battle of the Big Ten that we will see for many years to come. Guys, if you enjoyed this video, give us a like, follow, share, and subscribe on both Facebook and on YouTube so you don't miss a single bit of information. Also, be sure to check us out on the Believe Podcast Network and on any major podcast streaming platform every single week as well for audio versions of our shows. As always, Mr. Football, Fence Turner, always a pleasure talking some football with you, talking the final college football game of the regular season. I've been your host, producer, Logan Landers. We'll talk to you guys again on another live episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.